right. So let's see. The first question is from uh, it's from Krishna Kanaya. She asks, "How did demigod worship begin, or was it the other way around, and the worship of one god started just as he slowly revealed himself by bhakti?" What is your answer to the question if Hinduism is mono or polytheistic? Thank you very much. I think that um, in the Vedas, Shruti, there are mention of different gods uh, and goddesses. So um, if you want to look at that as the beginning of, of Hinduism, if you will, um, those are the earliest texts of all the Hindus. And um, and as the introspective sages tried to answer the what I consider like the two you know questions of life, what's out there and who's asking the question with regard to what's out there, nature, the objective world that they, the subject, um, were experiencing, they um, approached nature with, uh, like I was saying last week, with gratitude. And they recognized through their introspection, their their dependence upon the macrocosm of, of, of material nature, for them to function as a microcosm of that material nature, in terms of the body mind uh, complex, and um, seeing that relationship, for example, between their capacity to see and its dependence upon light. Mm-hmm primary example of which is sun, fire, Um, they were grateful to the sun, and so they worshipped the sun. Mm -hmm. And um, in the course of that uh, introspection, if you will, and um, turning inward towards, towards the subject who's asking the question, what's out there? So what is the nature of that subject? And and again, what is the nature of, of the world that's out there? Um, in, in, in turning um, inward, they understood the, the nature of consciousness, at, in a sense, as superior, as Krishna says in the Gita, Apareya mitastanyam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhutamahabha yahidam dayutejagat. That the actual the seer, the experiencer, was actually making the world go round. Without that seer, without consciousness, well, the world um, wouldn't matter, if you will. And, um, and understanding through their experience, the position of consciousness in relation to matter, while they expressed gratitude towards the sun, towards the wind, towards the rivers, mountains, and so on and so forth, they understood at the same time that behind the macrocosm, 
just like behind the microcosm of their body-mind complex was consciousness, so there was consciousness behind the entirety of the natural world. And so I would say, I guess, they, they posited uh, gods and, and, and goddesses, which represent uh, the fact that there's consciousness behind the macrocosm of, of, of nature. And now, so the question is, is that positing of gods and goddesses a poetic way of talking about the world? You know, you could, could look at it like that. Are there gods and goddesses? Um, surely there is a divinitrina, a godly controlling factor, and it's only partial when it comes to what the sun does, hmm? uh, what the moon does in relation to humans and in, in other species of the world around us, what the water does, and so forth. Um, so anyway, they experienced water gods and gods, and so on and so forth. But these were all uh, partial manifestations of the, just like they are, in, in a smaller way. Uh, but in, but in a larger sense, but in a, in a, in the in the fullest picture, then there's one Brahman, hmm? uh, the supreme uh, absolute, and I think that um, looked at in that way, I don't know if you would call uh, Hinduism monotheistic. Um, um, but there's no competing God with with the Godhead, if you will, but just different faces of the Godhead. And for that matter, the primal expression of the Godhead, of the playful Krishna, uh, is accompanied by his own Shakti. It's a kind of a, a dual. So I don't know where that, if mono, you know, fits. Um, but, um, in a broader sense, I suppose it does. There's only one, there's only one thing going on and it's God and different aspects of God playing its different shaktis playing themselves out in different ways and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, when you compare that to Western Abrahamic mono, monotheism, the latter, you know, kind of, um, is becomes a little bit um, laughable in terms of its uh, deprecation of Hinduism, which is often, which we often hear from that, that side, many gods and, uh, you know, heathenistic and 33 million gods, isn't it crazy? And this kind of thinking, it's uh, um, so, um, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Grimaj, a lot of times you say that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is panentheistic. Can you explain that term? Like, what is that exactly? Well, it's a uh, um, pan and panentheism. Pan uh, and theism. Pantheism. Pantheism is that the world is God. Everything is God. Pantheism. Uh, pan means everything. So here, so panthe- pantheism. You have theism, you have pantheism. These are two ends of the spectrum. 
in pantheism, the world becomes sacred. Mm-hmm. But there is a loss of a personality of Godhead. Mm-hmm. In theism, the world becomes profane. Mm-hmm. And there is a separation. So, you know, you get the devil, for example. The world is bad. It's taking you away. Um, but you get the person. Now, of course, in classical Western theism, the person is a little vague. But there's this big emphasis on, on the person. Now, in panentheism, you get both. So panentheism, panent- the little word N is big in pan. Entheism. You add n to pan and theism, and you get panentheism. So in panentheism, the world is God, and God is in, is the world and is independent of the world at the same time. So this is very clearly the idea in, for example, as early as, as the Gita we find. Krishna says in the ninth chapter, it's just see everything's in me, but I'm not in everything at the same time. Or we see, you know, examples of this in the Leela, Dhammadar Leela, Krishna's, uh, um, uh, the whole world's inside of him. You could take all the rope and all the world and you couldn't bind his, his belly. Or you look inside of his mouth and there's the world, but you sort of see it, right? Uh, well, well, at the same time, he's separate from it independently or apparently sitting on her, on her lap. So, Panentheism. Now there are different forms of panentheism in the world today. It's become a little, a little popular, um, in, in, in the, in the Christian world, different forms of it, but we have our form of it. So you don't lose the personality of Godhead. In fact, it becomes more clear in, within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, panentheism, in terms of its attributes, qualities, form, and so on and so forth. And, and the world does not become profane. It becomes sacred and so everything becomes worshipable as the shakti of bhagwan mm-hmm. and um you know the, 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 that's the end if you will of the of your environmental crisis if you look at the world like that um so does that help yeah totally Hare Krishna. so panentheism is basically Oh, can you hear? Um, well, yeah, that, you, you know, that's another way of, that's an, yeah, that's an aspect of it, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Panentheism, yeah. Thank you for the question. Thank you, and also for your answer last week. Thank you. Okay. Okay, the next question is from Gundan Sharma. She says, Standard Pranam Maharaj, thank you so much for your kind mercy. As Nitai Parakamala song says, Se sambandhad nahijar brita janma gelotar se pashu boro durachar. What is the fastest and most effective way to receive Lord Nityananda's mercy? To glorify Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He says, whoever chants the name of war spreads the teachings of Gore, worships Gore. I become purchased by that person. That's one answer.
he's the deliverer of the of the destitute. We don't have to do anything to become more destitute. Where are you? At the bottom of the barrel. Uh, we are natural. Uh, uh, objects of his affectionate, uh, kind and merciful, um, uh, dispensation of the divine teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, that he is the other self of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who makes up for the shortcomings that the sannyas ashram presents to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his effort by accepting it, in his, his, his strategy by accepting sannyas to deliver the world. In other words, uh, by becoming a sannyasin rather than a householder, he created automatically a teaching moment. People would listen to him. At the same time, that the sannyas ashram has certain etiquette to it, norms, standards, and so forth, that uh, restricted him in some ways socially, given the social, social-religious system. Um, and it wouldn't be appropriate then for him to show up at a, at a brothel. People would think, what's a sannyasi doing at the brothel? So, so the classical, uh, you know, verse or statement is that if you see Nityananda Prabhu at the brothel, he can go there. He's a household, well, householder, so, um, worldly, have a worldly connection. So he can go there, but you should not think that if he's there, he's there for any other reason than to deliver the people. So he's, um, he made up for that shortcoming in the sannyas ashram of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in terms of Mahaprabhu's desire for wide dissemination of his, his, his teaching. And Nityananda Prabhu is particularly characterized uh, within the Panchatattva in terms of excellence of each of the members, the five members, his excellence is, you know, this wide scale distribution and, and to those who might otherwise be unqualified, even, even the, the residents of Shaptagram were, had been disenfranchised from the Hindu social system. He, he delivered them, um, um, so forth. So, um, uh, Pujapachritamarsh likened my Guru Marsh's campaign to that of Nityananda Prabhu when there are many parallels. And he reasoned by that along with other supporting evidence that he was empowered, Prabhupada was empowered by, by the Avesh, empowered by uh, Nityananda Prabhu to do this kind of work, preaching to the non-Vedic people. And so, so we're, you know, at least me, I'm already like that. So, um, good, good, already in a good position to, uh, gain his grace. It shouldn't be hard. Hmm? Um, um, he said, "My Bhaktivedanta have opened a marketplace when, in the, in, where he's giving out the holy name just for for one's one's faith." So, um, but I think of that statement. Uh, it's very famous hmm? uh, that. Um, that person becomes my very life breath who 
takes up the teachings of Gore, worships Gore, chants his name, and so forth. <clears throat> what else? All right. Uh, the next question is from Gokul Chandra. Uh, he says, Dear Guru Marge, in today's world where social media is everywhere, it is somewhat much easier to connect with people and also to preach Krishna consciousness. It is also relatively easy to become a quote-unquote popular person online. That also applies to devotees who try to preach Krishna Bhakti. It seems to me that it may be sometimes difficult to have some discrimination and we may sometimes mistake a real spiritual standing with a charisma and being eloquent. How should we discriminate in a healthy way? What is a real spiritual, what is real spiritual realization and what is just an external charisma to properly relate to others? In other words, what are the most important qualities of a Vaishnav that make him qualified to preach and change people's hearts? Well, um, one of the ways, <clears throat> excuse me, in which Pujapad Sridharmarsh addressed this issue comes to mind. And, um, you were basically asking how to evaluate the position of a Vaishnav in terms of internal life, actual experience, and so forth. And sometimes it's thought, if we follow the train of your, you know, of your thought in your in your question, that by bringing in many people, the more people that you convert, the more we have evidence as to your uh, spiritual inner spiritual standing, and. Um, so that's kind of one calculation, but Pujapad Sridharmarsh, bringing that up, um, addressed the fact that, but that could be imitated. And, and we see that. I mean, we see that outside of Gaudi Vaishnavas and all kinds of so-called sadhus and that they've got, um, you know, so many followers and he, and, and it's just palpable if you listen to them how, and you have some spiritual standing yourself or education at least, how vacuous, you know, their, their teaching is and what people are, you know, going after, attracted to, and, and, and that is short of the real substance. Um, and uh, so this uh, is, uh, you know, extends to Gaudi Vaishnavism as well. So there may be um, persons within Gaudi Vaishnavism that are very effective in converting others, they have many followers, and so on and so forth. And so, um, he told us, this is one way to evaluate the standing of Vaishnav, but in that, there can be some some cheating. So you can deceive people, you can deceive yourself, right? You're online, media, you know, social media to preach, but you're really just looking for some adoration, some recognition, um, um, and um, if you had spent your time instead really trying to be one-minded, which is in a simple, you know, in a, in a word, the way to um, realize the whole picture. <laughs> you want to know everything, everybody. <laughs> You know everything and everybody, and 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 everyone will know you too uh, in time, perhaps after you pass. But if you if you focus on just one thing, you know this. If you're if you're Buddhist, focus on that. If you're 
and is waiting on that. I mean, I'm not advocating those, but if, if you're a Gaudi Vaishnava, the idea is is to become one-minded. The more you become one-minded, the more you're going to get out of your practice. And when you get out of that practice, it's going to be so far exceed anything that you can get from other people who are adoring you, appreciating you, liking your qualities, all of which are God-given anyway. Um, so uh, it's really, really, uh, that's uh, you know, one thing about me. I was one-minded, you know, from the very beginning of, um, of my my practice. It was easy for me to do that in ISKCON. Outside of ISKCON, starting my own mission and so forth, it's sometimes a little harder to be as 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 as, as one-minded. Um, but I, I am. Um, I'm, I may bend, but I'll never break. Um, but uh, but to be you know one-minded in one's practice. I mean, I'm I'm stating this as it comes to my mind for the benefit of, of all of you. Um, uh, so many distractions um, in the pursuit of that which you could get and a million times more meaningful, substantially, and eternal by doing away with the abstract these distractions and focusing. You think you're going to lose something by doing that, but actually gain is is overwhelming, immense. So anyway, um, you know, to to, to, to your question, Pujapachiro um, said, in that there can be some cheating, you know, in, in, in preaching and collecting people and, and so forth. So he gave a different criterion, and that was uh, how to, to, to evaluate the standing of the Vaishnav. So how does the Vaishnav respond to, relate to, not the, the public and lesser qualified devotees, but how is he seen and how does he see himself in relation to senior devotees? That's a criterion in which it's it, it's it, then it, it, there's much less capacity of any any to cheat. So if I can please um, my guru, my guru parampara, if this is my concern above and beyond anything of prestige of myself, even if it makes me look one way or another that might seem undesirable, just do it. Follow my guru again. This is this is uh, the criterion that he uh, gave us for evaluating the standard of a Vaishnava. Um, so, um, um, for myself, I'm fortunate. You know, I mean, I I was very dedicated to Prabhupada, and in Prabhupada's absence, based on his lead, his opening, cracking the door to the uh, darshan of Pujapatrida Marshall, went through the door and his association. His blessing. I had, you know, when he departed, I, I also came in touch with Pramod Puri Goswami Rosh and got his blessing and so forth. So, uh, that, I don't, I, I don't really like to, you know, I'm not trying to glorify myself, but it, it is a good, a good example of what we're talking about. My concern was with senior Vaishnavas having their blessing, their, their guidance and so forth. Now, I do a lot of things that seem independent. Um, I'm very, I'm very independent thinker. But uh, there's a, there's this whole. If you look carefully at it, you'll see uh, I, I'm my independence is not from from um, seeing the Vaishnavas um, and seeking their blessings. So um, that's anyway a way in which 
Puja Patritam addressed this question. You know, otherwise, um, you know, it's it's a little uh, without personal experience of someone, and without deep experience spiritually yourself, it may be hard to 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 to, to tell um, if you're uh, a little deeper, a little more introspective, then you may be able to see things just in the way people talk, what what they say, and and and, and understand. See, see through it. Uh, the average person, the average devotee, probably we can't do that. Um, but you know, the other side, if you spend a lot of time with someone like that, then um, you know it, it, it may become more apparent. But obviously, they're if they're able to, to become, become popular in their and they themselves are not don't have real standing in what they talk about. Um, then their group is going to be mostly persons that they have deceived and, and assisted them in deceiving themselves. So it's, it's a real, real tangle. Um, um, so, um, as far as going on the internet and seeing somebody has said this or that, well, you know, if you do that and take it for, for what it is and, uh, you know, you can respect people from a distance and, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt, but if things come up, show themselves uh, and give us evidence, you know, to the contrary as to their spiritual standing, well, then, then we have to uh, 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 proceed on the basis of that evidence. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. Uh, one thing that came to my mind about, okay, Gopal Chandra was kind of speaking about one end, there's the people with pratishta and charisma and then the other end is the pure devotee but isn't it like there's a huge scale like it's always mixed and that makes it harder to like figure out where people are at because nobody's like one thing or another well somebody's pure that's true but most people are not most preachers are bogus too <laughs> some but yeah so of course obviously like i say it's, it's not easy but this is a general criteria that you know may be useful I and mean, someone could say i know i follow Prabhupada. i'm completely you know I only do what Prabhupada wants, you know, and it's like, you know, 40 years later since Prabhupada left and they're saying, so they look like they're really, really, you know, got that side of it. You know, they're only, they only want to do what Prabhupada wants. But I mean, you know, you got to be a little thoughtful about it and see that, you know, how that, when that, when that kind of a emphasis uh, it translates into vilifying other, you know, senior Vaishnavas on the, that have come onto the scene and so forth. Well, then you see through it, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you're lucky if you find a real sadhu and, and you don't need, you know, you don't need more than that. So <laughs> that's another answer to the question. Uh, listen to that one, right? If there's two, well, you know, that much, that much, uh, better off. I had the experience. There are, there are more than one, to, you know, good persons to listen to. Anyway, I'm rambling a bit, but yeah, it's, it's, good. it's, it's difficult, but thank you for the question. Uh, Bam has a follow up. He says, what if those who are supposed to be senior, but don't even, don't even, uh, I, Oh, don't have compassion and humility in their hearts. 
well, then they're not seeing her. Then, then, they, then they've, you know, if you're able to experience that, then you see that uh, they're not what uh, they make themselves out to be. Um, so, I mean, you know, people are in leading positions in Gaudiya Vaishnava institutions and in the world for, you know, any number of reasons, uh, you know, that are less than spiritual. That's just a fact. I mean, Prabhupada had people in charge because they were managers. That's just their nature. So what are you going to do with a guy that just is, is managed? That's what he does. So you make him a manager, you know, better or worse. Any chance are you a Christian? And you hope, you know, that he'll get over his tendency to control people, you know, uh, uh, if you will. So, uh, but it didn't always work out like that. He ran off with money and so many things. I mean, Prabhupada's vision and his presence, there were lots of, you know, defective leaders, if you will, and Prabhupada once asked, why are so many big devotees leaving? And Prabhupada said, big devotees don't leave. That was his answer. <laughs> so, well, you may think they're a big devotee because they're they're doing things that, that you think are big, you know. How big, how big did Prabhupada think anything and everything that he did was? He didn't think it was very big. Ultimately, you know, I mean, personally, I saw how he responded to, you know, praises and glorification of himself. And so he would just, just dismiss it and say, Chaitanya, my Guru Maharaj has been very merciful. I've simply followed my Guru, that's all. He, you know, I follow the words of my Guru, that's all I'm doing. You know, anything success is his. And he really felt like that. That was his experience. Um, so, what else? Thank you for that very much. Uh, the next one is from Abhay Krishna. He has a short question. He says, Navadvip Lila is parallel, pa- parallel to the Braj Lila of Krishna. They both have eternal unmanif- unmanifest forms. Do the Sanyas Lilas of Mahaprabhu outside of Navadvip have unmanifest representations parallel to the Dwarka and Mathura Lilas? If not, can you explain this further? Thanks so much. So the question to be clear is that is, is there an uppercut or unmanifest uh, invisible is another way of translating it. Uh, nitya, Lila with regard to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prakat, manifest, visible sannyas Lila in Jagannath Puri primarily in, in other parts of India um, as for example Aside from the Braj Lila, there's the Matura Lila and Dwarka Lila that are eternally uh, going on in Goloka. Mm-hmm. Those are the three main centers of Goloka, Braj, Matura, and Dwarka. Um, so it's a good it's a good question. And um I have heard and never seen it written or supported, but I heard at one time that um, some devotees um, consider that on the outer pedal, if you will, poetically speaking, of Goloka, there is a Jagannath Puri Lila is manifest. Um, but I can't support that with anything. I have many times said that the that the Jagannath Puri uh, experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Jagannath Puri is one moment in the Dwarka Lila. 
That's the moment in the Dwarka Lila where Krishna is looking back at Vrindavan and uh, entering into a trance and Balaram sees him and the same thing happens to him and so forth. It's in Bhadra as well. Um, so this is like Pujapachita uh, Marsh compared it to a train wreck. The Vrindavan conception and the Dwarka conception crashing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Jagannath is the, uh, you know, is hospitalized and put into the temple, if you will. Um, so uh, he's like in a coma, you know, but he's there, right? <laughs> His eyes are open. <laughs> he's like in a coma. Uh, but he's alive. Don't unplug him. He's plugged, he's plugged everybody in. So, uh, so, um, when we look at it like that, I think that Jagannath, the, uh, Jagannath Purilila enfolds into, into, into Vrindavan and, you know, very central, if you will, to the whole Jagannath Purilila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Rathayatra. This is, this is bringing Krishna back to Vrindavan, right? So it's very Vrindavan uh, centered um, uh, Dom, if you will. Again, it's Dwarka fixed on Braj and all the implications of that. So um, I would emphasize that more um, and, and that's clearly brought out in all in, in all of our texts. But with regard to the uh, apricot lila, there's no um, such uh, poetry and um, meditations, if you will, that have been uh, offered by our Sampradaya with regard to an apricot Jagannath Puri lila. Jagannath Puri lila, again, another way to look at it is, 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 it is the teaching lila, the acharya lila. Of, of Krishna. He becomes the Acharya as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is sannyasi and he's teaching in Jagannath Puri. What is he teaching in Jagannath Puri? By his example, by his precepts, um, um, he's preaching how to enter into Vrindavan. Hmm? This is what happens to him in his Auntie Leela. He becomes, by the force of his practice, he can no longer be a public person. He's driven to be a private person and uh, and he um, enters into the Brajlila, or he enters into, like I like to say, into Navadweep. He shows how to enter into the to the, to the Kirtan in the courtyard of Srivastakur and uh, fully experience the Brajlila. So it's hard for me to separate the Jagannath Lila properly understood, given this kind of, you know, the tat- Tattva from the Vrindavan Lila, from the Navadweep Lila. Um, and turn it into something separate and so forth. Everybody there, uh, you know, Ramananda Roy, so on and so forth. These are, there are certain devotees who are not from Navadweep, but they're from Jagannath Puri, uh, but they meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he comes, but they have the Navadweep, Mandabhan conception, and even Sarbaboma Bhattacharya was from Navadweep and so forth. So, so yeah, I don't, uh, there are, there are not any meditations on that. The meditation on Jagannath Puri is how to go to how to enter into Vrindavan by following the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, I mean, it's beautiful and it's very meaningful to us. But you have to understand, as meaningful as it is to us, sadhakas, sadhana siddhas, is as painful as it is to the nitya siddhas of Navadvip because he leaves Navadvip. 
so um, it's a little different. There's a little difference there, a little wrinkle there in the in the, in the parallel between the two lilas, as you as you've stated in your in your, in your question. Uh, whereas comparatively, as you've stated in your question, the mature lila is going on, dark lila is going on in Goloka. So what else? Um, Kishore has a question from Madhuban. Adibo, Pranam's comment. Adibo, Jai, Dauji Gopal, um, some Swami calls ago, you mentioned in passing that one could possibly look at, um, one could see the first city as the ability to see the synchronicity of everything. You kind of mentioned it in passing and it, I found it interesting. I wonder if you'd be willing to say more and what you mean by seeing the synchronicity of everything in a devotional context? Well, it's about seeing that, uh, that, um, that there's a plan and you're part of it instead of you're making the plan. <laughs> there's a plan and you're part of it. Um, um, and, and, uh, things are happening for for a reason and you see the reason and you see the reason over here and there and and, and so forth um this may come you know come and go but um, um that's uh, i don't know if synchronicity is the best word but but it yeah um it's um as i said seeing that there's a plan and you're part of it um and everything is, is uh, uh, happening because it's supposed to happen. And, 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 and this is a very different way of experiencing, you know, every, everyday life. Mm-hmm. And, and even for most devotees in their devotional day-to-day life. So um, I don't know really what much more can be can be can be said about it, but. Um, um, it certainly puts one at ease, <laughs> if you will. Uh, you know, there's a the experience. There's a there's a, there's a qualified um, plan maker, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what more to say about it. Uh, really, it's not listed as one of the cities, but I've talked about it like that. I didn't, didn't mention that once. You want to make another comment? Uh, how do you see it in relation to karma and surup shakti or mercy? Well, um, you know, I, I don't. Uh, um, I don't think that. Uh, One makes a differentiation in that way, um, because in the broadest sense, um, karma is something that's supposed to happen. There's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Although the jiva has done something that warrants a particular 
reaction from from nature. Can't always understand it. So to see it, reaction is something that's sanctioned by Bhagwan, right? He sanctions that nature to respond in the way that she she does without having a personal hand in it, as he does in the case of of Sarup Shakti. But in each case, he's not separate from it. He's not, you know, it's not independent of him. So it's all you can say part of his plan or it's all working as, as it's supposed to happen. It's, 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 it makes sense. Um, it's hard for us to make sense out of life, but from that vantage point, it, it all, it all makes sense. You know, and then you, you have stories like that with regard to a lot of the Buddhist has some nice stories like that. Um, uh, you know, the story of the pot, the two pots, I mean, it comes to mind, my mind, I don't know. If it fully addresses it, but um, so the guy, had, the monk had two pots, and he would go fill the pots up with water every day to bring them to water the guru's uh, garden. But it turned out that one pot had a crack in it, and so day after day, by the time he reached the garden, the the, the pot with a crack in it. Uh, had practically no water in it, so it couldn't do the serve. The pot couldn't do the service to the guru's garden. So after a while, the pot started to lament its, its position. Mm. I'm cracked. I'm a cracked pot. I'm a cracked pot. You see, so many of us may feel that way about about ourselves, right? Um, but then the, the the monk who was carrying the pot said, "No, what are you talking about? Look." And all along the path, there were flowers sprouting, because all along the path that the monk worked, walked, the one pot with the crack was dribbling water along the path, so the path was being lined with flowers, making it you know that much more the ashram that much more more beautiful. I mean, it's just a story that comes to mind. How much it relates to your. Your uh, your inquiry, I'm not I'm not sure, but um, you know, there's there's a there's an angle of vision. It all makes sense. You're cracked, and then you're not bad. It's all good, right? Because, uh, I think they say to find the silver lining, you know, to, to be connected with the silver lining of everything, if you will, whether it's karma, you know, or whether it's Krishna intervening, you know, in, in, in the context of bhakti, scripture. It doesn't really matter. He's behind it in, in either case. Does that help? Okay. For all you cracked pots out there, you're okay. You can... All right. What else? <laughs> well, this crack pot thing really uh, fired up my uh, imagination. So, um, so uh, like in practical terms, okay, there's a crack pot devotee. And say like they can't focus on anything in terms of devotional service. Like how is that actually conducive in some magical way you know to we, have to look at, we have to look at the situation <laughs> and see it's a, it's a, it may be an illusory yoga maya vision right that, uh, that uh, one person can come up with it but whereas it doesn't appear to play out that way for for everybody else or even for the person perhaps but he's got that vision right so um yeah um you have to look at the specific, you know, in, instance. Right, right. 
Okay, well then we have uh, two more questions. Next one is from Gayatri. Okay. Good morning. So <clears throat> with Krishna Janmashtami coming up around the corner, I would just like to hear if there's any particular good meditation to keep leading up to that event, if you have any thoughts. Well, I would um, suggest to you that you read the Gopal Champu with regard to Krishna's birth. That's probably one of the more insightful uh, Leela narratives regarding Krishna's birth, history, background, grandfather, his father, relatives, um, and so on and so forth. And it's fairly uh, well played out. It's fairly extensive. So you read a little each day and, uh, and uh, you know, get to the, get to the end at the right, right, right day, something like that. That would be a very nice uh, meditation. Chiva Goswami's final, not final, but close to final, but his, his, his magnum opus, you know, his best, greatest contribution, I would say. It's interesting. It's a Leela book. He's known for Tattva, but that's a very sweet book. Let's put it like that. What else? Okay, there's one more question. Well, actually, I have some uh, backup questions, but uh, the next question is from Vijay Kumar. Vijay Kumar. <laughs> okay, so it's the backup questions. Um, we have a couple more from Gunjan Sharma. Let's take this one. Dandavat Pranam Maharaj, thank you so much for your kind mercy. What is more important to keep, what is more important to keep on looking for a guru who will take us closer to Krishna or to wait for the mercy of the guru to arrive in our life of his or her own sweet will? Or in other words, the importance of action versus intention. The question is, is it more important to look for a guru or to respond to a guru who's come into your life? Yeah, it sounds like she's asking like whether to actively go, you know, after a guru or to wait for the mercy to come to you. Well, um, I mean, for myself, um, I uh, was very clear to me that I needed a guru. I wanted a guru, and so that became my my focus, and I pursued that. And um, I think we all, you know, search to one extent or another. Um, and I, and for different motives, for that matter, there are higher motives, but that drives people's search for meaning, purpose, and so forth. And there are lesser motives. Um, but in terms of making a comprehensive solution to the uh, to the world, which is the problem, rather than a solution to a problem of the world or another problem of the world that I'm troubled by, 
seeing the world itself as the problem, which is a conception, of course, when I say the world, um, and wanting to make a comprehensive solution of that, well, then there's a certain type of guide that's required. You know, this is the guru. And, um, uh, yeah, I think we should, we should look for such a guru. Um, and, um, God helps him who helps himself. Um, I don't, uh, I guess the other side of your question is, I need a guru. I'll wait for one to come into my life. Um, it uh, seems to, if I understand it correctly, it seems to lack a little bit of a sense of urgency that um, is almost required for one to see the guru. If one doesn't have a necessity, um, you know, supply, it's, it's, it's supply and demand. So there's no demand, there's no supply. Um, if you don't have a necessity, then, then you, then how will you, you know, recognize the, 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 the solution? You don't think you need one. You may think you need one, but you're not driven by that and you don't have a sense of urgency. I, I think the sense of urgency and necessity I must, yeah, there's a famous statement in the Upanishads, Tadvigim Hartam Saguru Chet. You know, uh, I think that's the statement. Yeah. Anyway, one must have a guru. So I always looked at it not as a law. One must have a guru, but I must have a guru. And this must be my guru because this person is compelling me in such a way. The Siksha, typically the guru uh, gives Siksha and by the Siksha we're captured. And having been captured by the siksha of the guru, we capture the guru hmm. by way of saying, you know, I'm captured by your siksha. You must give me shelter. You must give me diksha. So, you know, he's created a problem. Now he has to deal with it. <laughs> and that problem is, is you. Um, so he has to give, give diksha. Um, so I think, uh, you know, in either case, however you want to frame it, there needs to be a sense of, urgency, necessity, and this is at the heart that uh, of our uh, search for a solution, and as much as that, that's there, then we can recognize. Otherwise, people don't have the necessity. They can, they don't recognize a guru. They don't even, don't even recognize Krishna. Either. Probably just to say a few people, you know, understood who Krishna was amongst, you know, so many, even at the time of his appearance. Um, so, um, that's my answer. <laughs> Hope that helps. Thank you. So, Bijai came back. So, Bijai, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to ask my question. Um, I was, uh, I belong to Health Club Gurudev and, uh, I was approached by a Sikh. Uh, he says, I'm from Calcutta. And he says, uh, I see you have the Gayatri thread. Or you have the thread. And I said, Oh yeah. He says, Oh, do you, do you know what it means? I saw you put it over your ear when you went to the privy. <laughs> because I had to use the restroom and, uh, 
I said, yeah, you have to, uh, put it in your, put it over your ear to, uh, to keep it sacred so that you don't, uh, soil it. And he says, do you know what it means, what it means to do that? And I, I said, well, I really, I just know that that's why you do that. And he says, well, you should know. And I says, I, I live in Calcutta. I've been here in America 42 years, but he was a real nice engineer for me, worked for the state for 42 years, but. I didn't know the answer. <laughs> so maybe you could help us out. Well, well you gave confronted. him, you gave him an answer, right? Yeah. I told him, yeah, you, you, you put it, you drape it around your right ear so, so that. So he wasn't satisfied with your answer? No, he was not. He, he was a Sikh. So I don't know. Maybe he some ritualistic thing or something. I don't know. Well, he, I, I thought that was the answer, but then he, then he, then he, 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 he moved on and said, well, well, do you know why? <laughs> and I, I was dumbfounded. Uh-huh. Well, there are any number of uh, answers, but uh, one of them, and um, this is, uh, you know, one of them is the answer that you gave. Another is there is there's it's thought there's there's a there's, there's a nerve and by putting it here um it has something to do with for males helping to retain semen but but these things are I've never seen this in scripture, so people can come up with things in oral tradition and so forth um, um, and um it's uh you know it's not on characteristic for somebody like that to make more out of a detail and turn it into a principle than is than is necessary um and uh that's the way i would look at the that kind of inquiry uh, you know I'll, I'll give you another example of what i'm talking about one time sure. some, some of my god brothers were invited with propod by a well-to-do um, uh, Indian gentleman, Hindu gentleman, and a Vaishnav and for lunch. They went to lunch. And so they were serving out the lunch. And after the lunch was served, the host became joyful. And he said, I was not sure if they, if the disciples of Swamiji, who were Westerners, were were really Vaishnavas, but then I saw they ate with the right hand, and I knew, hmm. ah, they are Vaishnavas. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, Hindus, Sikhs, whatever. Um, you know, there's a tradition, it's culture, it's beautiful, and there are all kinds of uh, subtle reasons and superstitious reasons in cases and and so on and so forth uh that um that may, they may have in their uh in their pocket and so forth and we may disappoint them in, in yeah i i'm sure i'm going to run into him again so that's why i asked and, and i thought i had the right answer but then he, he you know well it must be more it's like oh okay Thing is, I just, what would have been good, I, I think, if you asked him, "Sir, you're very learned. What, 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 what is the more that, 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 that?" And then see how substantial his answer is. You know, if he says, "Well, because there's a nerve," 
over the ear. And if you put it there, it, 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 it helps in retaining semen so that no semen comes out when you pass urine. I never had any come out when I passed urine. So, you know, then you, then you start yeah. to take apart it. You know, does it really make any sense? What is the name of that nerve? What, you know, and see if it's, if it isn't just a, you know, a superstition. Yeah. Little, little of customs and, and so forth. And it's nice to know, you know, um, those kind of thoughts, but those are the only things I ever heard about it, and and it hasn't uh, um, affected me negatively. Uh, yeah, I, I I did do I did do that. I you know because I, I said, well, you just put it in your ear, and that's you know put it on your ear to protect it so that it keeps it sacred. And you could uh, say my guru taught me to do this, so I just follow my yeah, guru. I don't know the right, and he, and he questioned it, so I don't know. But thank you so much. Yeah. I, cause I was dumbfounded and then, and I asked him and he said, well, I said, well, what, what is the right thing? And he says, well, don't you know? You should know. <laughs> That's the right thing that I was told. <laughs> so, yeah. And I didn't have a response. So I just walked away. Yeah. I appreciate the question. Uh, yeah. It's funny. It is a Sikh. Yes. The, they, um, consider themselves as Chetrias. And I said, don't you, you guys chant Hare Krishna, don't you? <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I loved it. So I'm running into him again, I'm sure. Okay. Give him my regards. Dandavat. Okay. okay. Well, I guess that's about it, huh? Yeah. Questions. Okay. Nice to be with you all and happy John Mastami coming and I'll uh, see you next week then. Haribo. Oh, Bremen and Dimbo. Hey, hey.